and welcome to episode 297 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones. Plenty to get into this week. It's been an eventful weekend in the Premier League. We do have some news of the week, so we will kickstart there. As always, the WHO has warned people not to attack monkeys amid the monkeypox outbreak. <laughs> Did we have that with, when swine flu was a thing? I feel Were like people just fighting to, pigs. Yeah, I feel like if you have to be told that, then it's just natural selection. They should just go and get it. You're a lost cause if you're fighting monkeys. Because we know TKO, the war with birds ended, so maybe that was why bird flu was uh, more prevalent. The emus. That was a great war. In Australia. <laughs> An overlooked war. Um, I don't know the context here, so this could be far darker than intended, but uh, a five-year-old girl has given birth and become the world's youngest mother. Congratulations. If yeah, one of you laughs and one of you cries, then if I get the context after, then we can dub it in. <laughs> I feel that's a tough one to say congrats to on Facebook. I'm saying nothing. I hope the five-year-old doesn't have Facebook. I, I guarantee that could be that the biggest tragedy. If there was a Facebook post, there'd be someone popping up saying, Ooh, finally I can tell people I've known for ages. <laughs> Don't listen to this woke lot telling you it's not right. You, you do you, love. <laughs> Elon Musk wants to prove Tesla won't run over children by trying to run over a child. <laughs> I've seen the videos of this where Unreal. All, all these autopilot cars do a crash test and the Tesla just plows straight through the mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> like the child mannequin it just goes absolutely flying. Ukrainian refugee in Leeds is seriously considering returning home as she can't get a dentist appointment. <laughs> I saw there's a guy from Gloucester who was on the front of um, that MSN news today complaining that he hasn't been able to get a doctor's appointment for six weeks and they've come out and said they offered him a checkup and <laughs> he turned it down <laughs> but he's just taken a proper close-up selfie photo and that's the uh, cover page not a great look it's a tough gig when you get over from Ukraine and you get the Leeds gig it's a tough, <laughs> tough spot yeah, when you arrive over and you've got basically like a lottery of where you could end up. I feel like there's worse places. They're, they're looking at Middlesbrough like, so did the Russians invade here as well? I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Beachgoer killed after being impaled in chest by loose umbrella at South Carolina Beach. That's fine. That's it again. Man jailed in Spain after selling off 7,000 hams he stole from work. I don't know at what point he was caught. <laughs> so look. At that point, that's probably earning more money than his actual job. Yeah. They love ham over there. Man hospitalised after giving himself a nose job, prompting YouTube to remove DIY rhinoplasty videos. I can't see the word or hear the word rhinoplasty without thinking of South Park. Then Randy becomes a dolphin. How bad is your nose when you have to YouTube how to perform surgery on yourself? God, that's just... I mean, Mine I... is tight though, isn't it? He thought, look, I'll do it myself. I can't go, can't go <laughs> private. 
when you say man hospitalized for something job, I think we all thought he was going a separate way than a nose mm-hmm. job. We're not that type of podcast. Except for every week that we are. <laughs> Seems like he's cut his nose off to spite his face on that one. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> well, it feels a perfect time to move on from uh, <laughs> one poor joke to another. And that was Brentford versus Manchester United. Eric Ten Hag says he wishes he could have subbed all 11 players at halftime as Man United found <laughs> themselves 4-0 down at the Brentford Community Stadium. It's a hell of a transfer strategy, that. I need 11 players, but please give them to me on a good deal. Just incredible. He's been here five, five minutes and he's reaching in for the uh, cliches. I wish I could have subbed them all. It was, next is worse than a pub team is his next one to dig out. I, I think... Yeah, I think, I think United, as a, as a transfer... Well, as a, as a business strategy, what, you could, what they could do is, you know how... Sometimes a company buys another company, changes nothing, but just puts their name in front of it or uh, like their name in front of it and then the other company's name. Maybe as a company, as a business, they should just buy something else entirely and just forget about what they had and just slap their name in front of this new thing because this is a wreck. Now it's just Salford. (laughs) Well, they've got that knockoff United one, haven't they? Because they were suing them for calling themselves something else to do with Manchester but listening to this on the radio I've often complained the only other time I really listened to a game on the radio was when Anelka buried us when he was with Bolton and on the way back from the Arsenal game I was trying to watch it on my phone but the commentary on for the radio this was quite good because I mean there was no real lull in the action and when you're being described like Harry Maguire trying to play out of the back De Gea (laughs) kicking it you can quite perfectly visualize all of these things so it really was excellent but for those that haven't seen the game I do have a walkthrough of all four goals before we do break them down and talk about the greater ramifications so uh, ex-Arsenal player Josh De Silva pinged a speculative effort from range that should have been a comfortable save, but Roy Carroll Mark II between the sticks let it go through his paper palms and into the back of the net. And from this point, it was, okay, are United going to do the horrible thing that we're used to them doing just not so recently and bounce back? But it's just as calamitous for the second, isn't it? They've got Vern Troyer taking the goal kick. He gives it to De Gea. Hospital pass in Swearington. <laughs> and he doesn't have the strength to shield the ball, which maybe you'd ask why he's playing defensive midfield. Jensen pinches it, shimmies it to one side. De Gea says, I'm not letting this one go through me. So just dives out the way of it and he slots it straight home. And then the third goal, I mean, for all I've said about Lisandro. My eyes haven't lit up quite like this since I saw Nadia reach for Jim's magazines in American Pie. <laughs> a corner drilled in by Umbermo. Tony nods it back across goal from the far post. Ben Mee sees the ball coming towards him, takes a little look to his right, sees Rumpelstiltskin trying to go on his tippy toes to nod it clear. <laughs> and almost in disbelief, he just falls backwards and the ball bounces in off his head. I knew you were excited about this segment. For good reason. Well, I mean, I heard the radio commentary and thought, you know, if, if they are looking for someone else to, <laughs> to jump in. Because for the People fall, listening at home just wondering, oh, no, I know who. I know, I got it. 
yeah, for the fourth, it's just so simple. You know, I'd have a corner. Sancho has a touch like a trampoline inside the area. One long ball out to Tony. Tyrion Lannister has one job, and that's just to close him down. <laughs> he doesn't. He backs off. It's a beauty of a pass played pass across to Umbermo. Luke Shaw's trying to catch back up with a large Papa John's 1299 special <laughs> rumbling around in his stomach alongside a Vionetta, a Raspberry Swiss roll in a Turkish delight. He's unable to make it without a wagon he's carrying. And Umbermo just takes one touch on his right foot, shifts it onto his left and sends it past the Spanish Aurelio Gomez. Unbelievable. And I've done all that without mentioning this Joel Glazer player who apparently was at fault for all four goals. Um, (laughs) So I've never been more excited to get home and watch a match of the day. And I came out of the Emirates after a 4-2 game and said to my uncle, there's no way we can't be first on match of the day tonight after every single week feeling like we're one of the last. And then at 2-0, I said, oh, I'm not too sure we're going to be first on match of the day tonight. We might have to settle for second place. Um, De Gea was obviously the headline act here. But if we start with Ten Hag, he started Ericsson and holding midfield. Frodo Baggins at centre-back. He's asking De Gea to use his feet. And we all had those lunch times at school where nobody would have a football. And you'd find yourself kicking a bottle or a Coke can or something. I've seen people pass those better than De Gea with a football. How much blame does Ten Hag have to take for this performance, TK? Yeah, he's got to take a lot, hasn't he? I just want to acknowledge, my only concern with the Martinez one is that you've run out of short people to compare I haven't, to. I haven't. My okay. only concern, <laughs> six weeks down the line, we might we might have uh, overcooked it. But look, admired enthusiasm regardless. Yeah, he's got he's got to, hasn't he? Because he he's got you got to recognise what you're working with. I will say I, I do tend to champion the look. You can't just blame the managers. Play, players do have to have some common sense. So I do think for both the goals, I think the manager would have every right to go. Yeah. Well, listen, I I can't help you make a basic save and know that Ericsson has a man on his shoulder. So don't give him the ball. Hopefully, even if you're not a ball playing keeper, you recognise that's sort of common sense but yeah there's there's blame to be apportioned and Ten Hag isn't completely blameless with the Ericsson signing now we've seen him played as a false nine we've seen him played almost like an eight and then literally at the base of a midfield do you think they knew what they were doing when they signed him or was it just a classic case of he was the best available player on the market at the time and so they got him to try and throw their weight about a bit I think it was that purely that no real thought behind the transfer in terms of he's a proven Premier League player. He showed some form in the second half of the season um, and wasn't going to cost a lot of money. So, uh, and take him away from a potential uh, competitor um, as well. So, yeah, I think that's, that's all that was Brentford? in it. Uh, both. <laughs> Excellent. Nice Having Ericsson playing box to box in a 35 degree heat is just cruel. Um, I, I think as well that it, he's done it to make a statement that he wants Frankie de Jong and if he doesn't get him this is what's going to happen like, are you saying that they're literally holding Ericsson's health hostage because I was serious when I said I feel like Spurs have a duty of care here <laughs> but we're going to speak about Spurs later I don't think you're going to get a positive answer out of Jack if you start mentioning them <laughs> um, Jack 
reports that came out today said the manager told his players that McTominay would drop out of his side and be replaced with Ronaldo as early as Wednesday this week. They drilled a system on that basis, but he didn't decide until the last minute whether it be Harry Maguire or Varane partnering Stuart Little. Um, do you not think, after all of their uncertainty at the back, particularly away from home, that should have been sorted out first? Yeah, they need to get this sorted out because it was their defence that cost them. I know they were pretty inept going forward as well, but they were so poor defensively. And you must think, like, what the hell's happened to Varane if Harry Maguire's keeping him out of the team? Like, he was a Real Madrid Champions League winning centre-back. And to go back to your point, 100%, the only way that this defence is going to get any better is if they're drilled consistently throughout the week, um, knowing what their roles are, knowing what their jobs are. It looks as if, when they were playing out from the back, the defence, it was the first time they'd done it. They were getting, I remember the goal that was given away due to De Gea's pass to Eriksson. The defenders were just stood there. Harry Maguire might have had his hands on his hips. Probably just... It just seemed pointless. He knew it was destined to fail. It was, yeah, poor management on that side. So the Athletic did a piece on kind of the fallout from this game today, and they they had a big paragraph on um, United's pursuit of Warwick Davis, and they said Martinez was a specific target of Ten Hag in this summer's window having played the previous three seasons for the Dutch coach at Ajax. Interestingly, Athletic has learned United's scouting network watched numerous Ajax games in recent seasons, and despite Martinez often featuring, he was not a player flagged as worthy of closer examination for Ten Hag's predecessors, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Ralph Rangnick. Some scouts were said to be concerned that Martinez was a player who, who could become trapped at set pieces. Oops. Now... Lalana and Graham Potter came out last week and said that they targeted Martinez. You've got Thomas Frank and Ivan Tony who've come out this weekend and said that they targeted him. Like, what now? Because they've spent over fifty million on this player. They don't play the same formation that we do in which we were going to field him at left back. Like, what what the hell do you do now? Do you go to three at the back? I, I don't know what they're going to do with him, but they can't ignore they, um, it for as long as everyone keeps saying, look, this is literally what we're trying to do. Has he played um, in front of the back two at all in his time at Ajax, do we know? He has, but Ten Hag was actually the guy that said he's not a midfielder. And I've got to say, mm-hmm. it looks like Lucas Torreira playing centre-back and we saw Lucas Torreira playing central defensive midfield. There's games where if you're ratty enough, then you can make a difference. But... Martinez doesn't strike me as that type of player either. He was brought in for his technical ability. I don't know what the hell they're going to do, but it's a bad look for Ten Hag if you've spent the bulk of your budget so far on this player and two games in, you're having to take him off halfway through. It's an interesting one because we haven't seen him offer anything technically at all yet. So if you're going to say that's where his positive positive input to the squad's going to be and you partner him up with two other centre-backs and put him in a back three, we're yet to see anything of that but in all honesty, from what we've seen at the moment, he's just a complete liability you know, it, he had one pass still, against it, Brighton <laughs> yeah and uh, he um, you, you can stick in a back three and act like you're going to have two solid guys next to him that are going to allow him to do his thing but I mean, it's the United defence. <laughs> where, where is that 
where is that reliable? Like effectively, it just feels like yeah, all right. Instead of having two crap centre backs, we're going to have three crap centre backs in, <laughs> in the middle of the park. So I, I still let's saw just, let's throw, let's throw bodies. Let let's throw bodies in there and see if it makes it work. But I don't think that's the answer. The wing backs and normally, if you're going to play a back three, you've got to have efficient and useful wing backs. And as your opening segment on uh, Shaw goes, <laughs> that don't work either. So he's efficient at the dinner re- table. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what the answers are to get Martinez in that squad in a way that's going to gel. Right now, I think you either look to incorporate him in front of the back two and not have him really a part of the defence and almost almost like a, a Hoiberg role and hope that he's a little bit more Jesus. creative. But that's I'd not, I mean, I, I'm, 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 you know, <laughs> this is just me trying to make the best of a really bad situation here. It's not something I'd go out of my way to try and do, but that's, you know, you've got a price tag on a player, that pressure to play him. But I mean, so, Ted Hag's in an look. awful position. Ten Hag's in that position of where he's got to, he can't, he has to play him. He has to play him because he's he, that player that he's brought in. It's going to be such an awful look if, because it just shows that the lack of research about the physicality in the Premier League, which is the obvious trait that we know that so many players from the foreign, from the foreign leagues have coming into the league. It's like rule number one. I, I don't understand a situation here of where he, he doesn't play him in the cup coming games. It has to be, it has to work in some way. I need to see him against Darwin. I need to. <laughs> they need to give us that at least. So, Alex, um, more reports from yesterday say that Ten Hag cancelled the players' day off on Sunday and forced them to run a combined 13.8 kilometres to make up the difference between the distance travelled by them and Brentford. If you've already got a bunch of spoiled players, do you think this is the best idea in terms of making them play for you? Tricky one. I think as an exercise, that probably would have been an interesting watch to see who just got on with it and got it done. Because well, in all honesty, that some players that the sports scientists said absolutely could not participate were actually just allowed to give it a miss. So I bet it probably made them even <laughs> angrier. Yeah, that that's exactly what you don't want to hear as well. I reckon. I mean, can, can I just can I can I? Yeah, Ronaldo you, was in was involved. Do you, can I just get the can I just get the maths right here because I I think I've heard it correctly. So they had to. So Brentford ran an extra thirteen kilometers. Fourteen kilometers, and as a team, they had, had to, to make that up. They had to as a team, so it wasn't fourteen kilometers each. I think that's it what some people tried reporting, but. Right. That okay. Seems to have been quashed. So in that case, team, they've run to the so, shots. Yeah, yeah. Literally, as a team, if what what's the squads? I mean, let's say it's just a start and eleven. Well, as maybe team, it was fourteen kilometers each. Reckon, I, that I, seems rash. Otherwise, it's not a story, is it? <laughs> Everybody well, came in and ran it one kilometer each. You'd be like, probably, you know, you could have walked a train and done that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Literally, if they if, if if the pair of them, if the, if between the eleven, the start of eleven, they can't run thirteen kilometers between them. That is, putting this slide down for relegation, that's right? Even, that's even, <laughs> that's, that's even like, worse then, because you're doing that a day after a game, and then you're going to complain that they look knackered when they face Liverpool. Well, this is it. The first injury that would have happened off that. If he got someone like rips a hamstring or something, he's going to look such a fool. I mean, I'm assuming they haven't had the injury off it, but. Still, uh, it's it's bad. It's really bad. I, I'll go with I'll go with they just had to make up the ground that they didn't cover as a team. 
I mean, in all honesty, it's not that much of a distance. So it really would have been, te- it really just would have been really telling from like a team perspective, right? Who's really here to work and who's not and who's trying to make a point? Because the issue is, it's just I, such a clear PR. It's five minutes of running. Like, if I'm being generous, that's five minutes of running if you want to cover a kilometre. If you jog... Some of these guys... They're elite sportsmen, for fuck's sake. But, it's, yeah, yeah, honestly. Um, yeah, but I'm behind that decision from Ten Hag. I just would have had them run a lot more. I mean, the, the tweet that came out said, Eric Ten Hag wanted to make Manchester United players run 13.8 kilometres during the exercise in the extra training session today. Brentford players ran 13.8 kilometres more than them and then as the distance covered. So it doesn't say it was individually. It, it's a it's tricky a, one. It's, because it's when, PR, isn't it? It's, yeah, I absolutely. I'm trying to look like the big man. Um, I've had them back in today and I'm letting them know, well, this is how much, li- how little they did. Mm. This is why I'm doing it. How much they actually did it. paper is, reported it at the same it, time. They were clearly yeah, briefed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think it makes it, I think it does. It's quite a smart move from Ten Hag as well, in respect of it probably gets a few people on side. Like, look, he's not taking any shit. He knows these players aren't working hard enough. He's making them work. So it gets a few people, a few like more casual viewers, like on side in a way, I think. So from a publicity point of view, it's a good move. But yeah. The other we'll question <laughs> I had is that ultimately United had about 60% of the ball. You run less when you have the ball. I'd be interested to know what the difference would be in a standard game where the two sides have that share of possession. Because would it not be normal for? Yeah, well, I, I must admit yeah. when they brought up the stat because I can't I can't remember which pundit it was that was going on a bit of a rant about it. Like Gary Neville, I'm sure. Was it? Was it no, uh, do you know? What? I'm not sure it was. I, I think it was Redknapp. It was Redknapp, I think. But he he so was ranting and raving. He said, "Oh, they covered no ground whatsoever." And I was expecting to see when they brought up the stats. I was expecting to see a big number difference. I didn't think thirteen kilometers was that much, especially when you looked at it alongside the possession stats. I, I mean, I, I think I, I think you can take it in two. I, I think you can take it in two ways. Uh, you know, it's kind of like they're on the back foot, so you'd expect them to be applying a lot more pressure particularly in the later stages of the, well, not the later stages of the game, any stage of the game, because they were that quickly behind, to try and put pressure on the, each each player um, the moment they get the ball to try and win it back. So I suppose there is that argument. But honestly, like 13 kilometres as a team, as a combined stat, is is honestly not that much. It's, it was it's 65 five minutes to 33. It's, it, it, it's, a, it's literally, it's five minutes of, like if I'm being rough, rough, gener- rough idea, no, that's like five minutes of running. Mass doesn't work on that because that's 13 kilometers is basically like playing with one less player. At yeah. bit. If we say a player might do probably 12k in a match between 12 and 14, 14 be top end. So, as much as you might expect, obviously they've got more of the ball, so there's going to be less. Um, they're going to they're run around less. I think that's a, a big differential. I would be amazed for example, I know we're an extreme end of it, but if how many games we're going to have more of the more of the ball in it. I'd be amazed if we ran that significantly less than a team. Amazed. Well, I know Erdegaard ran the most of any player in the opening weekend, and his was around 13 against Crystal mm. Palace. Yeah. So that, I think that's pretty significant. And the a big part of that, you have to imagine, is Cristiano Ronaldo, who reportedly is complained to the manager about the pressing tactics. Um I mean, there's just so much to unpack just in one week of Manchester United and none of it feels particularly new. Um, 
They say he's an isolated figure at the training ground. He's trouble within the camp when it comes to the general noise, and he's throwing his arms around on the pitch at, and at Carrington. There's been talk of terminating his deal, which isn't ideal when you're <laughs> penny-pinching. I mean, Edu claimed our ownership essentially signed off that they would do this where required. I have to think United's won't be as easy going. We've had Rashford in the past week linked with PSG. Um, his agent slash brother uh, is said to have had a meeting with the French club. Martial's fit again. Maybe he'll come back in and replace one of them in the lineup. Well approved the attitude. Yeah, and they've been linked with a number of strikers, most prominently Alvaro Morata, Jamie Vardy, Mauro Icardi, and 27-year-old Espanyol striker Raul de Thomas, who scored 17 in 34 last season and was linked to Arsenal in January. And they're all linked by the Athletic, by the way. Those aren't like the Sun linking those players. It is very ironic, and I'm not the first Arsenal fan to point this out, that a year ago today, Gary Neville was on Sky Sports saying, I just don't get the plan at Arsenal. And I've never seen a team that looks like they have less of a plan. Actually, Chelsea, to be fair. Uh, United would probably be number one in this window. What the hell is going on? They they are scrambling, aren't they? There just seems to be no distinctive direction with how they want the squad to play, who is the clear players that they're going to stick with and who's going to be incorporated into a new system. I don't see any consistency in the sort of players that they're going for in the transfer market. It is just so even the an Ericsson, absolute... Even the yeah, go on, go on. Ba- yeah, even the Ericsson one's baffling because the signing number 10 when you've got Bruno Fernandes all yeah, exactly. season last year. Um, but to neglect other areas and go and sign number 10 because they think it's a good... Almost a good publicity move. I'm sure it must have been done for that because... It can't have been done for anything else other than that. Well, I think it was if it's that- with other signings, it's it's a kind of like icing on a cake, isn't it? He's like, okay, it's, it's fine because we've got these other areas we need to improve on, and he's a free signing, so it's the icing on the cake. But they don't have <laughs> anything else. They no. you've got to actually make other signings alongside. They'll them. say they lost Matic and they lost Mata, and he's replacing, I guess, a combination of those. Well, even the likes of Pogba as well. Like they lost so many yeah. players. They've, you know, you've got to get you've got to get some bodies in there to fill it. And Ericsson is a good a good player to have in your squad if you, you know. But I, that, that maybe that's the point. He was brought in as a squad player um, who gives you quality. But I mean, they haven't given him. Any, they haven't, you know, they haven't brought in anybody else that can supersede him in the starting eleven. The, the huge concern with that is this. I've pointed out, others pointed out, going into the season, we said, if they think they're going to be able to play Ericsson and Bruno together, then they're off to Kirkland land far away. They're I think we never did this going with to be Connor, to... didn't we? When Connor yeah, was on it. He, he was like, well, I think it could work because on the ball, they're good. Like, I don't know how many times you've got to see the same thing before you realise that's only half the game. and All the other midfielders are good on the ball, plus they're going to run and harass you. And those boys just don't have it in them. Bruno's got zero dog in him at all and is playing fucking woefully. I don't know how he keeps playing like unquestioned. Him and Cristiano are made for each other. Yeah, it's, it's a match made in hell for United because they will both down tools, both be a terrible influence because they'll just moan but not actually do anything about it. Meanwhile, 
in fairness to Ronaldo, if he's not going to press, the other guys around him need to. And Rashford and Sancho look maybe disinterested, if I'm being kind. So they're sort of two younger players who should be able to. They offered absolutely nothing against Brentford. Sancho was that one goal that Sancho helped create was like I say help create was so bad. Like it's it's a real shame because he, he Is it? before going to United, <laughs> well, well, like in terms of if he had gone anywhere almost anywhere else, we probably would be having a guy that you'd like to think was maybe getting in the England setup if you remember his Dortmund days. I mean it's probably going to go in the direction of he's going to go back off to Germany at some point with the way it's looking at the moment. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know who you build your squad around. Charles Any of those players, you fancy a ring back, wing back role. You need and, more and um, to Germany after Chelsea. <laughs> you need more. Um, you need more pop. You need more spring off your initial step, and it's why Kulishevsky shouldn't work in the way that he does at Spurs because. His pace is probably similar to Sancho. Sancho may even be faster. But Sancho off the mark just doesn't have it. And you can't be tricky without that in the Premier League because it doesn't work. People are just going to back off a couple of yards and Sancho just gets locked up. He just get, he's, he's getting locked up by just basic guys like fullbacks who you wouldn't pick on you wouldn't pick out on a pub quiz if you if you were being asked their names. And then, yeah, the fact that everyone is so low on confidence that De Gea was getting a pat on the back for coming out to an interview after the game, I think that's the least that, was so that you could possibly be doing. It was such, it was such a bad interview as well. Like I, I thought he didn't really say anything. He just sort of like, all right, I've had the, I've done the, I'm going to be on the, I'm going to have the spotlight here. I should really come out and say something to try and get myself in the good books, like try and get some guys inside. Oh, he's come out and he's taking ownership of the performance, but he didn't really say anything. If they from, get- there's also only so many mistakes you can have yeah. and take responsibility for before you eventually go I'd prefer if you stop taking responsibility for the mistakes and just stop making the mistakes maybe I don't you know. can see just why Gene Henderson yeah. was pissed off because he's shit as well but he must be looking at that like oh <laughs> you, you can't give me a chance when I'm behind that yeah had to he got asked the question about uh, like did Ten Hag did does Ten Hag want you to try and play out from the back in the way that you did that led to the second goal? I think it was. Yeah. Um, and he sort of he. I was really hoping he was going to say, yeah, yeah, he did, <laughs> which obviously is a death sentence for De Gea. Yeah, um, for the manager of, under the bus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, he kind of partly took ownership of it and partly didn't. And just didn't give a straight answer whatsoever. I mean, even that, like you expected a bit of pop in that interview in terms of saying like calling out some players, maybe in the change room or just absolutely shitting on yourself and saying, I've got to improve. I've got to be better. But he didn't really commit to doing anything. It was kind of a, a metaphor for the entire United performance. You have to have some common sense. Ramsdale, Arteta was asked about Ramsdale and him playing out from the back. And he said, well, of course I want him to play out from the back, but I'm not the one kicking the ball. Like There are times where you're going to have to play it long. I'm not going to pat him on the back for passing it to a defender just because I'm telling him to play it short. It, you have to read the game situation as it is. Sometimes there's five, ten minutes where you have to play it long. And sometimes, if you're going to start a rebuild, as we saw with Pep Guardiola, we saw with Arteta pretty swiftly as soon as we got Ramsdale in, and I'm sure there's countless other examples across this league you move on from that guy because that's the guy that's starting all of your breaks and all of your attacks. Them saying, well, he's one of the best shot stoppers in the league. 
when you stop when you stop that on top of your awful uh, play with the ball at your feet now we've got a conversation to have them saying oh we're going to increase the budget for a second goalkeeper that's not applied any pressure to him no and the idea that if they get Frankie de Jong this is all just going to be sound no. I think it's if it's not crack it's something else that some of these fans are smoking <laughs> because it's delusions that I've never seen before but just blame it all on the owners and it's all sound yeah I, I mean I, oh, go on go on I was, I was about to say apart from the fact that one player isn't going to fix it he's made it pretty clear he doesn't want to join so that's already got its its issues the issue with De Gea is right it's, as you said players need to have common sense some of them have like dog shit sense you can't just do what the manager says you've got to do it yourself but then from the manager you can set up a team where the goalkeeper isn't Edison and you can work around it you know, Chelsea aren't putting Mendy in a position too often where he's got to be Edison with the ball and they're, but they're still able to play and when they're on song as they showed at times against uh, Spurs it's not like they're playing bad football so it's not like you can't work no. around the situation but United just expose themselves over and over again situations where their weakest points are going to get exposed. Should he have changed captain? This is a big one among United fans. Should he have stripped Maguire of the captaincy and completely started again? Who'd you give it to is the question. It's going to be Ronaldo or Bruno, isn't it? If it's not all Christ alive, Scott McTominay. That's it, exactly. I was about to say those three. Ronaldo's made it clear he's quitting on the team. Bruno, I mean, if he's a leader, then God knows. And McTominay's dog shit. So it's... The choices aren't fun. Rashford? I mean, how how bad is your football when feeding kids isn't enough good PR for people to speak positively about you? (laughs) Yeah. Fed starving children. The other thing about Ten Hag, by the way, I find it a little bit weird. Everyone's kind of coming out and saying, well, it's a really bad sign for United that they have no recruitment in place and they're basically just deferring to the manager to say, right, who do you fancy and get an admin? That is obviously a bad sign. I do you think, running parallel to that, it's also a terrifying sign that the guy you're giving the keys to sees the likes of Arnautovic, Rabiot, Morata potentially as solutions to his problems. Is that not a huge concern? He refused to speak with Ralph Rangnick. Yeah. Which, like, which just made the whole temporary thing even, even more ridiculous. The, the whole thing... For, for those of us that had even heard his name before, none of us were professing to be uh, Ralph Rangnick experts, but it was like, okay, this is actually quite a sensible move by United. They're going to bring this guy in, a guy whose strength is in recruitment and building a team, and then they're going to get a coach in, and together they're going to get this team playing the way that they should be playing. And then just because you don't like the way the guy's carried on, immediately you go, well, I'm not listening to him. I don't need someone else to tell me how to do my job. And you, you put him to one side. It's crazy. Yeah. I, that's, I, where, I, that's where I, the criticism of the ownership does add up. Because you can say they should, it was their job to get this structure in place and they fucked it. So I think ultimately that problem does lie with them. And that is the crucial problem at the club. So it does, the butt does stop with them. Just a lot of the reasons that United fans are piling in on why everything is the owner's fault don't add up and undermines the whole argument. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely have issues with their owners, but I think if you did it, if you canvassed Premier League clubs and asked which clubs had issues with their owners, you'd probably find that more did than didn't. Everyone thinks their club should spend more money. Everyone thinks that they know better than uh, the guys in charge. And ultimately, we're never truly satisfied. Like Liverpool have won more in the last couple of years than 
you'll have seen them win previously, but you still think they can win more. You still want them to win more. And even City, they've won all of these things and they still won a Champions League. We're never going to be truly satisfied. And look, they do have issues with their owners, but it's part of a long list that they they bought into ultimately. They wanted to be the glory supporters back in the day and chickens coming home to roost. And as I said, the comparison keeps being made to Arsenal and in terms of a rebuild, we've not won anything as part of that yet, but you can at least see some signs of positivity. We aren't looking at 11 players in our team and going, I hate every single one of you <laughs> in the way that United oh. are. And so just doing something a bit different. It Ronaldo feels, it shouldn't feels... be there, De Gea shouldn't be there, and we can name probably about eight other players that, that we feel the same about. Most. It, 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 without a shadow of a doubt, the Arsenal team feels like a stable base you build on. Like, and the United squad is more of a, a just a manager, like a, a manager who's just having to continuously put out fires, like a ship yeah, that he's just it. in the hole, yeah. plugging the holes, and there's actually nothing constructive going on to change the direction that that team's moving in. You know, there was a an element of where you thought Arsenal were in a bit of free fall, but I don't think it ever was that. It was, you know. Almost oh, it control was, but you have to take the sacrifices to get out of it. All yeah, of these players yeah. United are being linked with. Rabio was offered to us in January. Raulder Thomas was linked to us in January. Akadi was offered to us in January. All of these players that United are now actually taking seriously. Do you know how bad you have to be that Eddie won't take you on a free transfer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there, really no, there, there really is no like long term prospect signings being made at all and there there is just no links whatsoever I mean, you do really 40 million this. on diallo and uh whatever the other one was last window where we're like what what are you doing this yeah. now yeah it it, it really is because we've said on here before like you get you probably got managers now looking at that job and going i want no i've got no interest in going there whatsoever it's a sinking ship and you're more likely to get it. The players are more all swinging towards more, get me out of here, then let's see what we can be. Like, let's be a hero and get this team back on track. Like, I think anybody who looks at that United team now realise they're a long, long time away from being at the forefront of the Premier League and challenging for titles in a serious, consistent way anymore. They almost got to look at that team and accept that they're going to spend the majority of their career there gaining a foothold and establishing a base to build on again. There's no real glory there. The money they spend, it doesn't take that long to get back in business. Like you can do it in a couple of years to at least be respectable. The issue there is you saying that is fine. The club also thinks that they always think they've got uh, a queue jump to get back in. And in a way they have. So that's the, the kind of weird dichotomy that runs parallel to this is that they do kind of have a cube because they are such a huge club and they can attract people. But that is where the, the difference with Arsenal United is light is that Arsenal accepted, look, we're not good at the minute. We haven't been good for a while. We will accept a few more years of this whilst we like build from the ground up. United have just never accepted that. It's always, we've got to, we've been bad for the last few years, so we've got to get back to where we were and we've got to do it tomorrow. Well, and we didn't no try acceptance, and get top four. And there's no acceptance of the pain of the rebuild. There's always think we'll sign Ronaldo here, we'll do this here, and that will get us back in. Yeah. Sometimes just with PR, because we're the biggest club in the world, yeah. you've got to maintain that. And partly just because, whether it's arrogance or whatever, they think they can just get back. And there's no acceptance of this whole rebuild process. 
Jack, who will you be cheering on next week in Liverpool United? I mean, probably United, just because I kind of need... Who's just put their video on? It's Jack. (laughs) I've put video on. Why haven't you got clothes on? What is that? (laughs) Actually. Yeah, you have, yeah. There we go. (laughs) All right, you're cheering cheering on United. I think that was... uh, from what we just saw, I didn't think it could get filthier, and then it did. But <laughs> the Battle yeah. of the Bridge Part 2, as it has been called, ended with an eventful handshake and a petition signed by over 85,000 Chelsea fans. Harry Kane said it felt great to score the winner, but I can assure you it did finish 2-2 at Stamford Bridge yesterday afternoon. Uh, <laughs> let's start by looking at the big decisions. Now we're kind of going to start at the end and you'll see where I'm going. After the game, Chelsea head coach Thomas Tuchel said, I cannot understand how the first goal is not offside and I cannot understand when the players can pull other people's hair and stay on the pitch and attack in the last corner. This is without any explanation and I don't want to accept it. I see I have no words for it. So in this case, at the end of the game, Romero grabs Cucurella's hair, drags him to the ground at a corner in stoppage time Mendy tips that header over the bar and a VAR check finds no clear and obvious error from referee Anthony Taylor. Spurs score an equaliser from the next delivery. If we start at the start, is there an explanation as to why Romero has done this to Cucurella when the pair come together in the first half? Cucurella tries to drive forward. He's tackled cleanly by Romero and then as part of the collision his studs end up on Romero's left knee. Do we think the two are at all linked, Jack, or is Romero just that much of a bastard that he'd have done I, that regardless? I think he, I think he's that he's got the bastard in him, and that's not a derogatory term. You know, it, it is from me. Um, but yeah, he just, he's got that in him. It reminds me of Carvalho for us, where you just do inexplicable things for absolutely no reason, like pulling people's hair and just things like that. I don't blame the player for doing it. I blame the officials for not doing anything about it. But if he's stupid enough to do that right in front of the ref, he should rightly get sent off. But they wrongly didn't. And that's what... And it's just the fact that that then resulting corner led to their equaliser. When really it should have just been a red card sending off, free kick to us, and we see out the game, get three points. You have skirted around, uh, not actually answered the question, so... I mean, uh, I the think, first I challenge. Think, yeah, uh, I, is anyone saying that should be any kind of card? It's just, yeah, definitely. But it's been getting slept on because Cucurelli's been uh, is yeah. labelled the victim here. It's just the, it's just the wording you used was interesting. Studs found its way to Romero's <laughs> knee. I I can't get my head around this player in that he doesn't have the most vile reputation in this league, and it just goes hand in hand with Harry Kane that doesn't have a reputation. Son that doesn't have a reputation, Eric Dyer that doesn't have a reputation. I won't even say if Granite Xhaka did this. <laughs> if David Louise did this, you kind of have. <laughs> if David Louise did it, because Romero was ultimately doing things that David Louise would do, he just it's didn't get away with them. It's essentially right, 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 right. Look, 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 look. When you've got hair like Cucurella, 
Sometimes accidents happen. We should have pulling your straightened hair all the way through school. Then, if you've got hair like that, you can't expect you can't expect it to never get accidentally tangled in the player's hand. I mean, you know, it's going to happen. It's it's going to. That's AJ done for his defense. (laughs) That's him kicked. That's that's his hit. That's the final. You know, I I no no. He'll be saying it's a man's game next. It also, <laughs> no, we can't say that kind of thing, TK, unless somebody comes in immediately and says a correctional, a correctional line. I'm uh, Dave Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, um, he, I, I think as a player, he does have a reputation. And I think as the season's going to go on, he's going to have more and more eyes on him, particularly after what happened in the he Chelsea could have game. had two red cards already. I said, I said, I said in the group chat, it's a red card and I was gobsmacked as to why it wasn't given a red card on we BA. We will tell you why. I, I mean, I, I, no, we can't. Oh, well, the, I, I, I don't know whether there's, like, is there some sort of loophole here where so, it's like... There was a so thing, that, I think, technically so hairbrain doesn't come under violent conduct, I think they said, which is a bit Depends mad. on the force. But the flip side to that, I mean, the red card is really redundant, isn't it? It's, it's a foul either way. And so the che- the corner doesn't happen, and they don't get the equaliser. So the VAR the can't over. give a free kick. The, the, they can only give the they because they can't give a booking. They can only give it if it's violent conduct. And so the violent conduct comes down as to whether they determine there was enough force in the ridiculous. pulling of the hair, which it, is ir- regardless, regardless of the VAR like fast. Anthony Taylor stood <laughs> five yeah he couldn't get a better away view from it. It's looking straight at him. Like he's not got a clearer vision of this if he if he tried harder. Like the fact that he missed it in the first place, or Insane. as I would allude to, like I I don't believe that any refs are biased. I just can't get my head around why they would be. No, come on. But, but the I messaged you two minutes in. The the compilations of the, <laughs> the decisions he's got wrong against just us in particular are just. It, there is no other reason as to why he wouldn't give half of them. Uh, uh, I, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot listen to on, a Chelsea fan complain about Jack, decisions that haven't gone their way. Jack sent me a thread of all these Anthony uh, Taylor errors against Chelsea, and I saw the clear the Virgil Van Dijk one against Napoli, where everyone said it was handball, and then you saw it in real time, and it goes nowhere near his arm. There's one in there where it says. Uh, Mateo Kovacic was sent off despite Granit Xhaka stepping on his foot. Now, we all watched the game and remember that he was sent off because he was just being a dick and just going around. He was already on a booking <laughs> and when he started flinging his weight around and he got he got done. If, if, we, if we look at that in isolation, you probably think, fair enough. But the fact that, that it all add up to just in this one game alone, I mean, we'll come on to the we're working backwards. We'll come on to the other decision yeah. later, I'm sure. We're actually not working backwards. I just wanted to see if we were connecting. Right, okay. So, so it's, it's a foul on Havertz to start with. Now, there can be yeah, contentious, ahead, huh? there could be contentious potentially where it's not, it's, it's not, not a foul. It's not a foul. It's not a, it's not a foul. It's, it's, it's just on scream in the back. Nine times out of ten, a referee gives that. Nine times well, out of ten. So <laughs> the, the incident is they the incident, the incident is Benton Kerr is pressed by Kai Havertz. He loses possession. And as Havertz is getting away, Benton Kerr takes him down with a recovery challenge. If you support Tottenham, you're saying it's a great challenge. 
if you support Chelsea or, or Arsenal, I guess. Well, he, you're he you're saying the, it's not. He, he touches the man first. So he goes through the man technically to get the ball, which is a foul. I agree. But I see Spurs fans saying, here's a video where he touches the ball. And I, I think they're forgetting what comes before. Like, that's not proving the point they believe that it is. Yeah. Like, he touches the man before he gets the ball. That is a foul. It's just... So, so, so you're telling... Yeah, but that t- that contact doesn't contribute to him going down just yet. It's when he fully comes mean? through afterwards. He touches the, the man contact, The initial, the initial the contact... You're the initial... No, the initial contact you're on about does not cause habits to go to the floor. It's after the ball has been touched and then he follows through and takes him out completely after Alex, winning the ball. can't go through a man to touch the ball. No, he didn't go through him at that point. He'd already, he t- he'd already got the ball and then after afterwards, habits go straight the over the first top of or his shin. He touches... He, no, he touches the ball, but he didn't... No! Do you mean? He touches the ball first. Honestly, mate... He clips, he absolutely, <laughs> he absolutely, at most, clips a part of his leg as he goes through to touching the ball. So yeah, it's a so foul. Yeah, so he takes the man first. No, because the but the clip, yes. so you're telling me, you're telling me, you're telling me that any form of contact, if it's if there's any form of contact on a player before they hit the ball, it's a foul. Yep. If it's a slide tackle, yes. No, no, and it's not. If, if we it's jump not. up, it should have been a second booking and he should have been off. Yeah, and that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, I don't think that the goal should have been ruled out for that when it goes to a VAR check because there's, what, 40 seconds between the challenge and Hoiberg hitting the back of the net. Again, I'm not upset with that at all. It's getting it wrong in the moment. (laughs) No, come on, Jack. It's it's getting it wrong in the moment is the issue. You should have called it before it became a VAR issue. And again... That goal probably doesn't happen. Yes, it was 46, but 46 seconds since. But it was all down our half in our final third. So, Jack, with Anthony Taylor, statistically, he does let more go than other officials, but he also dishes out more red cards than other officials. So he has a breaking point, and when you go past that, that's when he becomes quite the disciplinarian. Clearly, he didn't feel... yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I said before, if you put ISIS in this league, I would root for them over Spurs. <laughs> they are the most vile Spurs team of my lifetime, and then they've got this disgusting manager, match fixing bastard in charge. <laughs> it's just wig, even worse. Um, wig wearing midget. Well, let's not let's not let you slurs and mock people for their height. <laughs> um, too cool. Said after the That's game. That's the next club legend to talk about, Jack. That's the next club legend of legend of manager for you. So have some respect. Right. Yeah, the only yeah. manager, the only Chelsea manager that allowed Spurs to win it, Stamford Bridge. Tuchel said after the game, some fouls won't be given. When Reese James did a tactical foul, it was a yellow card. How many tactical fouls did Hoiberg do today? Benton Kerr, three, four, five, six tactical fouls. It's a clear foul on Havertz in the build-up to the one-one. So they had nine fouls. I think it was one yellow. We had seven fouls and four yellow. No, you didn't. It was nine nine on the foul count. That was it. Yeah, but still, we still had more yellow. You're not. You're not seriously comparing that Reese James tactical foul with this. Yeah, this is an issue. You could have nine nothing fouls, and that is obviously a kind of dead week. This was to show Jack's side that there wasn't an agenda in this instance. Just for clarity on my my perspective. 
not an agenda. Fucking hell. I'm telling you, I showed you the file count just on the opposite yeah. side yeah. to show. To show uh, Tuchel maybe was being uh, <laughs> slightly OTT, but Conte added, you know very well, I never, never speak about the referee's decisions, never, and I will continue to do this. When I see <laughs> others have this type of behaviour, it makes me a bit angry, but at the same time, everyone tries to do what they want. I don't want to comment on the referee because I never make a comment about a referee in England. That'd be interesting. Just fix his games instead. <laughs> Jack, after all this, is Havertz not the biggest criminal on the pitch? I mean, when you take away all of the controversy, it's our fault. Like, we had the chances, we missed yeah. them. Havertz being probably one of the most glorious ones. He had a better game for bringing people into play, yes, than he did the other week. But that's still the absolute bare minimum that you should expect from a <laughs> £72 million striker or someone that plays up top who costs that First much. price tag, that is. Yeah, so it's just, yeah, we are our own worst enemy. There's only so many times we can miss from five yards out and expect to win the game. Sterling uh, being one, Havertz being another. But we could still technically, I mean, do you want to talk about the offside? Yes. Why don't we? So, so by the laws of the game... <laughs> I'll go to TK. I think you're the only one without a, a dog in this race, unless you secretly hate Spurs or Chelsea as much as uh, as I do. Well, you know, Is it offside? don't really get yourselves too easily. You've all been very objective so far. So, I uh, on the I'm not objective at all. I don't want to pretend that I am. No, there, there was a, a slight sense of sarcasm. What I said. Carry on. You know, I just want to make sure. Uh, don't worry, I think it came across, Luke, that you're, you're not objective <laughs> on it. Don't worry. Don't think anyone's under any illusions there. Jack might be. Do you think uh, Richarlison was offside? Uh, I wondered if they might look at it more, but I was struck by the lack of protest from Mendy when you consider keepers don't seem to need much excuse. And he didn't. I took that to mean he hadn't been blindsided by it because normally any hint and the keeper will be rushing out and saying it. Um, I'm thinking a little bit like with the Bentecourt foul. I wouldn't have had too much argument with it either way. And that's uh, as someone who, I would say I don't care about either team. I probably actively dislike both teams most <laughs> of the time. Um, so I hold you both in similar contempt. Um, so it's really no uh, skin off my nose either way. And so yeah. I could have seen an argument for it being chalked off, but those goals derailed me. So I don't care that it wasn't. If you were in the VAR booth, um, because a lot of this does seem to be kind of your interpretation of the rules. Oh, yeah, having much, a great time, aren't they? How much does the distance to the goal affect your decision when it comes to this rule of obstructing the keeper's view? Because the most recent comparison I have was United fans claiming that the Granite Xhaka one against them at the Emirates should have been ruled out. And that was struck from a similar position just outside the area. That one was given too. Yeah, I know what you mean. But technically, if the player is in an offside position and the keeper has been blinded by it, it probably doesn't necessarily make a difference. I'm sure. And what stage? I'm sure Jack will say, you know, if ultimately, if you can't if you can't see, it doesn't make if it's been struck from thirty yards, that ball's travelling so at a pace. Is there any expectancy the for the keeper to move? Yeah, well, yeah, but if the player's offside, he's offside. I guess is the is the flip argument. I guess exactly. And if you look at the still, Mendy is planted, looking round. Richarlison to the left-hand side. 
ball goes along the ground. No, Jack. No, no, Jack. Let him talk. Let him explain. So, Bendy is planted with his weight going the opposite way of the shot so he can look round Richarlison as the shot is taken. The ball then takes a downward trajectory through the exact pathway of where Richarlison was to the point where he has to move out of the way. So, because Mendy's taken that split second to look round him, he's then planted on the wrong side. He can't shift across to the right-hand side. If Richarlison wasn't there, that goal is saved. Simple as that. Because it's not hit with fierce power and it's not directly in the like right in the bottom corner so if there's an, a completely un um un offside person there if that's not happening he saves that do you have any questions well, about mendy's yeah. goalkeeping there i mean i've had many questions about mendy's goalkeeping for a while now is it not ever I've, since he declared that he should have been in the ballon d'or conversation he's got he's got worse since then but it's it's no doubt However, he has that weekend the was the Masuaku goal, wasn't it? Yeah, and he has <laughs> he has started the season fairly well, um, and he's he's saved a few good shots. If we if we win two one, we're talking about Mendes' save from that corner straight all ends up. However, that goal would not have gone in if Richardson wasn't there and he was stood in offside position, so it should have been offside. It's just right. I'm, that, I, that, I'm calling bullshit right there. That is absolute bullshit. So <laughs> in the screenshot that you sent, which is way before the ball is struck, you've got, yes, Richardson. Richardson. Rich yeah. No, 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 no. He's loaded today. Christ. Yeah, I know, right? I'm not looking forward <laughs> to editing this. The ball is near being struck. Richardson is in Mendy's view. But if you would let the video play a little bit more, Jack, you would have remembered that Richardson moves to the right and Mendy has a clear view of Hoiberg as he strikes the ball. It's then actually Cucurella that is blocking a partial flight of the ball as Richardson is... Kulabari, sorry. Kulabari. hair again. Okay, he doesn't have hair. (laughs) Richardson is stood behind Kulabari at the point at which the ball passes through the site that Mendy has as he's tracking the ball. You can see Mendy's head watch the ball as it's moving to the right after the ball has been struck, after he has clear line of sight to the ball as it's struck. That's Alex, a critical point. The it, screenshot it, that you had, the screenshot that you had, the ball is even even at Hoiberg's feet yet. So let's move it past. No, Mendy should have done far, far better. The ball wasn't even hit with that much force, for Christ's sake. How Mendy hasn't got as how Mendy just because make a disclaimer here that Jack has been speaking on this episode. Alex's volume may genuinely remove Jack when I do the edit after this. Some people may some people may appreciate that fact, but (laughs) if you listen to this back and Jack isn't there, that is the reason. Alex Alex isn't a maniac. He's not arguing with himself. (laughs) <laughs> Although I think he could do. I think if you, look, from the still image that we have where Mendy is planted and looking round, the ball is just about to be struck. We've got maybe 30 milliseconds before the ball is hit. So AJ, you chat absolute... Nah, nah, I'm not chatting rubbish. You can get any camera angle you want, Jack. And if you looked at the actual footage and the actual clear camera angle, it's exactly. Put put it like this. Put it like this. You're the only person, the only only Chelsea fans are saying this. Nobody else is saying this is clear and obvious at all. Arsenal fans don't count either. I think, really. It is offside. If it's given against us, I'm annoyed, but it should have been ruled out for the foul earlier anyway. Because Jack, I seem to remember there was a similar one when 
who was it that scored the goal against Liverpool, the volley? Was it Jorginho then? Yeah, no, it was Kovacic. And I Kovacic. was there that game. And they checked that for much longer than they checked this one. It took but they did minutes, allow both goals. But the ball was also about eight foot in the air. which So so the ball was never... <laughs> I, think, was I think the Xhaka one is, is the good comparison in that they are letting that slide, possibly due to the distance. Um, Tuchel said after the game, I cannot coach, but the referee can whistle the next game. Good. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll ask you pretty clearly... In your heart of hearts, do you believe Anthony Taylor has an agenda against Chelsea? When you put all of them together, it was clear he did. When he gave a foul to Spurs for Gazaniga <laughs> fly kicking Alonso in the face, one of the most incredible <laughs> decisions I've ever seen. That, that, that on its own, and then you couple it with Mitchy Batshuayi getting his nuts crushed by Maguire with a clear stamp, and Maguire again having Azpilicueta in a headlock in the penalty area, not a foul given. Alexis Sanchez handballing up <laughs> with both hands in a rugby-style charge down in an FA Cup final, that not being given off. Being that was balls of hand. I'll be honest, yesterday... You have to think it. I don't I, think, you think it, but you have to. Yeah, Jack, I, I didn't believe the agenda. And then I saw the tweet that showed it was Anthony Taylor for that one where um as you said alonso gets killed and I was like, there may be something to this <laughs> like it's he's fly kicked him and he's only given him a yellow card afterwards as well like if that's not a high foot in or dangerous play or excessive force or all three of them no idea what is genuinely i just can't like Klopp had this energy when he talks about Cortini. he was taking on he was basically giving limited LFC kind of duties afterwards because of this. We had it with Mike Dean, but it didn't stop him. He actually got more. Yeah, so it's kind of like low-profile games that he manages. I think he's actually the referee for the game tonight. But apart from that, he's in no big kind of title-deciding games with with Liverpool. So, honestly, I was was sat in bed last night and um, missus was looking over me like, what are you doing? And um, she's quite righteous. The voodoo doll. What? (laughs) <laughs> signing there I was like so Anthony Turner can't ref our games again and I've never felt so much embarrassment <laughs> well <laughs> I knew Jack's thoughts because I had a barrage of messages that I can't read out on here regarding Anthony Taylor um, I think bold was the nicest thing that he called him um, but I do know Jack isn't a fan of him and wasn't a fan of him that's why I texted him two minutes into the game good referee choice today We've got quite a good record with Anthony Taylor, so I think he's a perfectly outstanding outstanding citizen. (laughs) TK, final thing before we move on. Um, Jan Vertonghen called this the best fixture in the Premier League. Yeah, that's just so rash. So, so rash. This wasn't a good game. Spurs were dross. Thought Chelsea were really good for most of it. Couldn't finish. A last-minute equaliser and some argy-bargy on the touchline was enough to get people a bit excited. Other I than that, I thought this was... Uh, there wasn't that much to this game. I guess we do need to talk about that. So, we think the game's ended. Both managers going to be fuming. We've had their little rows on the touchline. Too cool. Fair play to the man. Looks at Conte and says, I'm not having this from you. And he says, look me in my eyes. Look me in my eyes. And Conte shrinks about as small as as that man could go 
and he didn't you are talking you are talking you are talking out of your ass. ass. He squared Ooh. right up to him. You, you are it. talking out of your ass. Conte, Conte had two. Con, Conte had him right where he wanted him. His head had gone. <laughs> the moment, the moment, the moment that he turned into something, Conte squared right up to him and was ready to go. So don't Conte he, don't was looking down at his hand like he Conte. could not believe what was going on, and he's buying the time, and he's looking around to his boys, yeah. going, "Please, someone save me! Someone hold me back! Someone hold me back!" Because every screenshot shows Con- the moment where Conti's looking right up into his eyes. So yeah, I don't think he looks. Yeah, smart. after two calls, giving him the look at me, I'm the captain now, and Conte. <laughs> I think you can shit. hear him say, "Captain, you are talking shit." And then I was really stuck when it was Conte and Azpilicueta. That was double knockout territory. Um, Jack, I think you're very objective here. Who do you think wins that tussle? I think for reach alone, I mean, Conte's a mad bastard, but he, I reckon it's small man syndrome. All taught, no action. He's five foot six. Doesn't want it, does Conte, he? Conte, Conte wins because he brings a knife to a boxing match. That's why he wins. So he's a coward, you're reach, saying. If we're talking, if we're talking, if no, he's just a savage. Should have pulled he's his an wig Italian off. Savage, yeah, but, an Italian savage. An Italian savage. If Tommy Tuchel brings a fucking leaf blower, Conte will go and cry him because his wig will fly right off. <laughs> well, on that note, um, I believe it was Kanye West that said, Jesus walks with me. And on Saturday afternoon in the scorching hot sun, I felt like I was walking with Jesus. Uh, it was a scintillating display from the Brazilian in his home Premier League debut as he brushed Leicester aside with dogged determination, fancy footwork and one fabulous finish. Jack, you messaged me on Sunday morning saying you liked or, or rather disliked what you saw from Mikel Arteta's men. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of scary a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, I mean, that Leicester team is pretty abject at the moment. They all want to leave um, and it's not ideal, but that doesn't take away anything from the skill that I saw from Jesus. I mean... Yoga Benito. I, I said to you, like, for the, how many chances we missed why we didn't go in for Morgan's Brazen, I don't know. And that looks like to be your game massively because he's everything you didn't have before. He's a striker that will create something for himself, which there aren't a lot of strikers out there that can do that. I mean, Kane gets himself into a lot of space and he's a great finisher, but how many goals can you say he actually creates for himself? It's great team play most of the time. Um, I think it's scarily good, um, but it's worrying for everyone else that isn't an Arsenal fan, I guess. Even Mike Dean overturned a bar ball from that nasty dive of Vardy. <laughs> <laughs> Even Mike Dean. I think Dean. the thing that I think the thing that surprises me is surprised me the most from what we've seen of this Arsenal Jesus at the moment is he's actually a little bit more physical than I remember him being at City in terms of when he takes the ball takes the ball through a few players. He's harder to get off than I remember. Than, than when I've seen him playing for City, like he's. But you know what I mean. He, he just seems to be. He seems like mean. he seems like a seasoned Premier League striker that is. can deal with a bit of physicality. Uh, well, within reason, that he that can deal with the physicality has that pace about him. But I mean, I'm surprised we haven't seen more. It's 
he's Thierry Henry Mark II comparisons. Maybe that's not been said because a lot of that that's been on. said before and it's become as a bit of a curse. But it's probably for Arsenal fans the More most exciting. Uh, yeah, two in yeah. two. Yeah, two in two also for Martinelli goal on his left foot this week. Xhaka looking dangerous. Tommy Asu and Tierney back fit. It's looking good. I'm looking, hoping Liverpool drop points tonight. Top of the table. It's looking rosy up there. <laughs> Let's not gloss over the fact that you did concede two goals, which you probably shouldn't have conceded. And we scored four, so uh, it's all gravy, baby. Yeah, that, that's fine, but you can't be, you can't be, you know, like we said, it was against the Leicester side that is a bit decrepit at the moment. And still got firepower in that team. Can't be, for somebody who came into the season saying that their defence is second to maybe only one in the league, yeah, you can't Liverpool be conceded two, two to Fulham. against that Leicester side. You can't Liverpool be conceded two to Fulham. You did not say it was Liverpool's defence that they were second to. Yeah, so that would yeah, still mean we'd be second, us. would it not? He said only City. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm saying defense. Liverpool conceded two to yeah. Fulham, so it's like yeah, City's but, better yeah, but, than us. Yeah, but Liverpool have the benefit of pre- previous season's track record going into this season. You, well, you, you can't get, have track record when it, you've got a 21-year-old Virgil van Dijk regen with better knees. And let me tell you, <laughs> when I hear about toxic fans, Arteta saying he's never heard anything like it, the support for Saliba after that OG. Beautiful, I think he called it. And then, I mean, it must have been a rough weekend for Jack because I've got him in my inbox defending Liverpool chance. It's not so much defending Liverpool chance is that you're stealing the whole league's chance now. I mean, Liverpool took Ale 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 from Dortmund, Rangers, different, different Napoli. You've got your main song list now is Ale Ale Ale. You've got Super Mick Arteta. God knows what else. We're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. Are you? Saka and Emil Smith Rowe. Zinchenko. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I can't defend anything really when uh, we've got. That Kula Bali one. Kula Bali. They had a big brass band uh, going around the upper tier at the Emirates on uh, Saturday, getting everyone up doing the uh, Emil Smith Rowe song. And. Uh, Three pound buy and get one free points. Blimey. Jeez, that's brilliant. Getting people um, in early doors. Is, they is, cut is that off an hour before kickoff. Uh, what do you think, Jack? As a lasher, as accustomed as myself, um, <laughs> drank the place dry. <laughs> Wasted on him. Wasted uh, on you. Water for me. Two pound seventy-five yeah. uh, bottle. Um, At that price, you're obliged to get a beer, really. Well, you know, one in one, uh, one in one, and one in the other. Um, I just had the biggest club sandwich uh, I'd ever had actually in a nice little place around by the Emirates very nice but let's talk about I thought that Zinchenko, I think Zinchenko looked really really good you mentioned him in the chance and stuff I thought he I thought he looked really good at. Uh, I think there's definitely it? games where Tierney's going to be needed more because there was some instances mm-hmm. I think the second goal Zinchenko gets uh, beaten too easily but for the most part in terms of uh, build up in terms of mentality everything about it Fantastic addition. So, when you can bring off Saka for Smith Rowe, when you can bring off uh, Martinelli and Jesus for Inketia, and uh, you can bring Tomiyasu on, you can bring Tierney on. It's all looking very good over in the midfield. So, 
an addition there. Maybe Fabio Vieira is that guy. I'm not too sure. But we do still have the boxing to talk about. So we'll bid you farewell at this point. And uh, me and TK will preview the big one this Saturday evening. Farewell, boys. Adios. Cheers, gents. Cheers. All right, TK, this Saturday at roughly 10.30pm, Anthony Joshua will make his ring walk in the Jeddah Superdome as he seeks to avenge his loss and reclaim his heavyweight titles against Alexander Usyk. AJ has his first fight with Robert Garcia. Usyk's put on a bit more timber. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Uh, be interesting to see what Usyk does actually weigh going by that. He does look, obviously, fairly thick set. I saw people um, going out and saying he's put on 15 kilograms uh, on the basis of Amir Khan saying that. Now, I've got a word of caution. I like Amir. <laughs> but if you're banking on, one, that man's maths, or two, that he hasn't got pounds and kilos muddled up, then you're a braver man than I am. Because 15 kilograms is two stone just over. <laughs> so I'm not sure he's put on just over two stone. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Because people are going, well, it's going to be heavier than Joshua then. I was like, well, you should probably be able to figure that out for yourself. Though. That's probably not going to happen. Is it as simple as saying AJ needs to stick it on him? No, I think we touched on not long after the, the first fight, that this sort of um, assumption that oh, Joshua just tries to go in a boxing move, he needs to go and stick it on him, is one ignores the fact that everybody goes in and just tries to stick it on. He's sick. He's seen it, what, how many amateur fights? 300 odds plus X amount of pro fights. So he's seen it 300 times over. People try and do the same thing and comes unstuck. So your game plan's got to be a bit more nuanced than that. Um, on the flip side, obviously, if AJ thinks he can go in there and just jab and move, that's going to be tricky as well. It's obviously, it's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more grey area than people are trying to make out. And they're also kind of making out like, AJ's just going to go in and rough him up and be a Chisora type. Ignores one, Chisora lost. And two, that's not really what AJ does. No. Did you see his comments about Southpaws today? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just for those who haven't seen it, he said he needs to find some adjustments because he'd struggled to deal with a Southpaw. And if Usyk wasn't a lefty, he'd have smoked him. It, is that even worth thinking about? Like, What does that even mean? Yeah, if this fighter wasn't the fighter that I faced, then I'd have beat him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't have such good footwork. He never would have outboxed me. Um, it is strange. He can't have a couple of strange things now. Um, he said about, you know what, in the first one, I wasn't really looking to hurt him. I was just looking to see if I could box the 12 rounds. And then he said, I just didn't have the tank to do the 12 rounds. So is he thinking, well, I'll just do the same this time, but I've worked more on my stamina? Because that's, you know... We know, ultimately, your gas tank is fairly well what your gas tank is. We know what you are. You're a big, explosive athlete. You're not going to go and suddenly be, you know, Joe Calzaghi. It's just not going to happen. For all that's been said about whether it be a good or a bad idea, does teaming up with Robert Garcia suggest that he is going to lean more into being an aggressive, come-forward fighter? This is it, isn't it? Because Robert Garcia is a really good trainer. I've always liked the cut of his jib in interviews as well. But I haven't really... Seen him with someone like AJ. Yeah, yeah, always enjoy that. And um, yeah, we haven't seen him work with someone like AJ. So in all interviews, I've seen him say, obviously, he said, "Well, look, I'm going to have to. I'm not going to treat him like I treat, uh, you know, my brother or Bam Rodriguez or whatever, because you, you just can't." But then on the flip side, does that mean he doesn't have the experience of working with someone like him and 
I guess my concern for Joshua is does he end up in sort of between two minds? Has he worked with a heavyweight before? It's a good question. I mean, offhand. I it wasn't one that sprung has. to mind. I don't think certainly not at this level. No, that's it. If, if he has, it hasn't been anywhere near, you know, it hasn't been prepared for something like music, has it? So, my, I, I don't know about you. I was very much split on whether he should switch trainers anyway, whereas most people seem to be, look, he has to change it, he has to do something, because I, 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 I don't know what was going to happen. His comments suggested that he didn't trust his team anymore, and I thought yeah. as soon as he said that, then he did have to, because they, they may also not be trusting him. It felt very much like he tried chucking them under the bus a bit because um, he said that they were kind of leading him on, telling him he was winning and this and that. Would you be shocked if AJ won? No. And, and again, not long after that first fight, it was then pitched as this was now Mission Impossible for AJ and he couldn't win. And I think whilst, you know, odds are better in favour of repeat, I don't think it's anywhere near impossible. Can win. I think it was a slightly closer fight than people have sort of re-remembered it as. I think, from memory, I think you could have had it level at round eight. But I think... I had it very close, but that seemed yeah. to be an unpopular opinion. But then I think Usyk wins all last four rounds. People are going to sort of say, like, that seems a bit crazy. But that is a third of the fight, I'm saying he won clearly. So if you say everything else, like, even if you thought that was close, if I said to you, football match was close until the 65th minute, so well, that's great. But what happened yeah. in the in the back end of it? And no one would would raise any eyebrows. In boxing, it seems if you get sort of seven or eight, people think that's deeper into the fight than it is. You still got a lot of rounds. And Usyk Banner's last one clearly and came on strong. And that's going to be the the scary thing for AJ, hasn't it? Is if he finds himself there again, and he realizes he he must know that since rest, he was very close to getting chinned at the end of that fight, wasn't he? He looked out on his feet. Yeah, yeah. Usyk was starting to piece him up in a similar manner to as he was value against the ropes, actually. Um, and that's got to be a, a source of paranoia for AJ because, and let's face it, he probably doesn't trust his gas tank fully anyway. No, is it a good result for AJ to lose on points? Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. There's a big thing, isn't there? That look, no one's going to have any interest in AJ if he gets knocked out in this fight. Moving forwards, we ain't going to care about what he does. We're not going to want to see him face Fury. We're not going to want to see him face Wilder, this and that. He's going to retire, no interest. If he, I, I don't think that's the case if he gets knocked out, by the way. But if he loses on points, is there a level of, if there's one thing a casual fan, not to insult anyone, you can kind of slide by is, look, yeah, boxed him. He didn't like, he didn't knock him out. He didn't like, as if that's not the same thing. But it is certainly um, is palated a lot better by the general public if you last till the end. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things with AJ is, is that he's obviously this big hulk of a man that I think people see as, therefore, visually see him as, you know, sort of a force and unbeatable. So if you see him get out boxed, you can kind of marry that up in your mind. If you see him get laid out, it's just visually, it's just it's a different thing. It's why the Andrew Ruiz loss was so tough. Because all these people are watching this big, massive guy get pieced up by a little chubby Mexican guy. And just it couldn't work it out in their heads. And that changes the whole aura around him. If you, let's face it, there's a lot of people tune in who only watch a Joshua fight. So if that's the case, 
yeah, yeah, you, you are right. You can you can lose a technical fight and say, well, look, this is a master boxer. It's fine. If you do get, you know, if you do get iced, very, very difficult. As, as you said, he will. He's such a huge draw that they can still do things with him afterwards. But this a, a, a bad loss here would be difficult, only because as, as we commented on earlier, the the speed with which people are evacuating the uh, AJ bandwagon is uh, pretty incredible to see. Yeah, and I did wonder if that would change if people truly believe Fury's retired and look believe it when I see it. I did wonder if that would steer people back towards AJ, but it seems the cool thing now is to hate AJ, so maybe not. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Fury was kind of the, the kind of by being the anti-establishment guy, kind of has become the establishment guy. He's the, the mainstream fan. I think. Chisora feels more popular than AJ these days. Christ. Yeah, yeah you might be right. It's, it's a weird one with AJ where it's, um, they marketed him too perfectly. If yeah. you're too perfect, people can't quite get their teeth into it. They can't quite work it out. And he's probably too perfect. What's a final prediction? My my only concern with the, the Usyk situation is I was concerned about, but obviously you could say that the situation in Ukraine, how, that, how would that affect it? I don't think mentally that'll affect it. Whether it's broken up his camp at all, potentially that obviously could have an effect. My bigger concern was more at the start of that whole thing when they said he was in Ukraine, supposedly that he had lost a significant amount of weight. Now, if that was true and he's had to pile it back on, that would be interesting because it went, in his uh, sort of coming up to heavyweight, he was very careful with how he built it, wasn't he? And it's, it was a slow build. And that's why he had the, the Witherspoon fight, the Chisora fight. He was getting used to that, adding that extra weight to his sort of, uh, to his frame. Yeah. And I wonder if he's had to, if he has had to sort of shove it back on, if he has put on a significant amount, has he overdone it? Has he maybe got a bit too muscle bound or, or yeah. not quite calibrated it correctly? My That would be my only concerns for from his end would be that or if that he thinks I think he'll obviously have some success against AJ I think he'll think he's picking up where he left off and potentially could he get greedy and start getting a bit open because he is a showman he probably will want to take Joshua out yeah. I think and that's potentially the only way in which I see Usyk failing from Joshua's point of view I just like I said I worry that he'll end up getting caught in two minds and end up kind of doing neither as a result I think I've probably got I think that will be probably the biggest tell. I think Usyk probably wins by knockout in the second half of the fight. Okay. I've got fifth round Usyk just in my head. I've got no real explanation for that. I do think as much as in my head, AJ should go for it if his gas tank starts failing him. I think he may regress and start being more negative instead. And I wonder if Usyk will have the inclination to go for finishing the job or if he'll settle for outboxing him. But hmm. if I was putting money down now, it, it would be an Usyk knockout uh, in the first half of the fight. So we'll see how we go. If our fears about AJ getting more sort of gun-shy over the years are true as well, then that's where it's really going to be difficult. Because I think if he comes under fire, you give him a chance. If he was still happy to gun sling, but I don't think he's going to be. I think, he, like you said, he might shy away a little yeah. bit and that'll be his undoing. Well, thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back later this week. The final episodes of Arsenal All or Nothing will be out. So tune in for those. We will see you next Monday. Adios.